Resting tongues of fire. Speaking in tongues is the circumcision of the new covenant. Exactly what it is. In the old covenant, it was the foreskin, ouch. In the new covenant, it's the heart, major ouch. Hardly any Christian's even done it. When you're circumcised in heart, you're in the glory constantly. Do you realize that? After you're born again, then the Word of God circumcises your heart, so there's no other spirit influencing your soul. If there's no other spirit influencing your soul except the spirit of glory, you're just whacked in the glory 24-7-365. The issue is you got 200 million other spirits in Babylon influencing your soul, and so I don't even feel the presence of God half the time. Hallelujah. So, we need a giant Goliath sword in the hands of the champions of grace. We need mighty warriors, and we got them. We got a Gideon's 300 right here at the sound of my voice. Some of these men and women are history bookmakers. These people will change civilization, no doubt about it. Everything you've gone through in life is because of the formation of the glory of God in your heart, in your inner man, in your spirit man. And the outer man, influenced by the world, tries to play down the significance of your spiritual breakthrough. Like you're just a peon. You're a nobody. And they remind you of your past life and how you're just a commoner. You don't come from royal bloodlines. You're not super rich, super famous. You're not a star. You aren't the most popular person in college or high school. And you're not the CEO of the corporation now. But listen, the natural realm counts for nothing. That's something that I don't think we really fully realize yet. That God really meant that. That the natural dimension counts for zero. That's written in the Bible many times. That you need to count yourself dead to the earth and its ways and alive to heaven and its ways and his ways. And when you do, all the lies of the earth dimension of the demons, they come at you. They do. They lie about you. They, and if they can't deceive you, they'll deceive everyone they can about you, as we've seen with our ministry the last 11 years. And if they can't, if they can't get you deceived and get their magic spell kindled and their curse kindled on your soul, they'll try to kindle a curse on everyone's soul by spreading lies and gossip and rumors and backbiting and every vile and detestable practice. We've seen it thousands of times. And it's never caused our love to wax cold. It comes with the territory. <laughs> we come from the warrior tribe. All I've ever known is warfare. To operate in love is a miracle for me. I grew up with violence. I grew up with drugs. I grew up with death. I grew up with a lot of death. Stuff that no one should ever have to go through. And that's why we're so passionate about the gospel. I don't want to see any other young person go through what I went through. Hell on a level you can't imagine. Death. My 15-year-old girlfriend dying in my arms, overdosing when I'm 15. I mean, like, you know, a sophomore in high school and just completely drowned in black death with no hope. I could not see living past age 18. I was already complete addict at age 15 with people dying all around me. I didn't have a future. I was dead at 18 and I did die. I prophesied and saw correctly. I died at 18. I became a complete and total zombie, not so much even from the drugs, but from the sin 
and from the sorcery of black magic. So that when I got court-ordered to Minnesota Teen Challenge in October of 1999, I lived in a permafry, a continual acid trip. Couldn't read. Had to, I got expelled from my fourth high school, and they said, well, they talked, the judge talked to my mom and said, your son's a serious addict, and if we don't get him help, and I wasn't a bad person, I was just an addict. And if I didn't get help, I was gonna die. And so my mom and the judge and my lawyer my public pretender didn't even talk to me. And I'm 18, so I'm an adult, I have rights. No, no rights. I was so far gone, they wouldn't even talk to me. So my lawyer talks to my mom, and they, they work out a deal with the judge that they'll drop all my charges. I had charges of violence, char charges of drug dealing. There was like all kinds of charges. I mean, I'd never be able to go to Canada. I mean, it was, I wouldn't be able to vote. I mean, it was a mess. This was Whitefish, Montana, 1999. And they said, we'll drop all your charges if you get on an Amtrak from Whitefish, Montana and get dropped off in Minneapolis and go into Teen Challenge. And at the time, Minnesota Teen Challenge was just a couple months old with Rich Sherber and Earl Gilchrist. Very small program. No one ever knew, knew about it. We went in there, and it's run by former mafia and gang leaders. And the first thing they're doing is telling us about smoking bowls of Jesus. And I couldn't believe it. And the glory, when the presence of God was so strong, I started manifesting the same day. I couldn't make it 15 minutes without manifesting. What actually happened is I started, well, I went in, and first, the agape glory love of God was demonstrated to me by a man named Pastor Graves from Aberdeen, South Dakota, an Assemblies of God pastor. And he was like 70 years old. Him and his wife, uh, what was her name? Mama Teresa or something like that. Mama Graves, we called her. It was these two older Assemblies of God pastors that were just on fire. I mean, this Pastor Graves' wife that was our intake teacher, because I was completely demon-possessed for the first three months they are driving demons out of me. She would go full-blown Holy Ghost manifestation, like vicious killer mode, and, and scare my demons and sit me back down in my chair. And she's like 75 years old. I mean, the superiority of the Holy Spirit demonstrated by these two pastors from South Dakota was phenomenal. Like, my demons had no jurisdiction or authority over their relationship with the Holy Spirit. I had never seen power like that before. And the power was demonstrated when I went into the intake room, fresh off the Amtrak, 15 minutes into Minneapolis, and streams, rivers of tears started streaming down his eyes when he's just looking at me. I was so messed up that he started bawling just by looking at me. Just gone. This kid is dead. And I'm, I'm wearing like a satanic cross, a cross of blasphemy. I was into the occult and the devil just got, ruined my life. I, was so, I mean, every blockage a person could have from becoming a Christian, I had. And it was just a miracle. The, but that love and that those tears that I saw streaming down his face, I'd never seen agape before. Never seen it. That was the first time I saw God's love. October 15th, 1999. Pastor Graves, bless his heart. And I said, whatever that light is, his eyes, were, his eyes were so bright that it kind of spooked me out. And I'd honestly been searching for the meaning of life. And I'd given up that there's nothing here. It's just hell on earth, that there was no meaning to life. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's what I believed at this moment. But when I saw that light in his eyes, in the, the rivers, I mean, just 
pouring out of his eyes as he's looking at me and the bright Shekinah glory burning through him towards me. And it was God the Father on the other side trying to reach me in my state of darkness. And it did reach me. Love will break the state of darkness even at the point of death, of being a warlock. Even if you are a sorcerer operating out of Tartarus hell in the highest degree of sorcery, that kind of agape love can still reach you and still melt a heart. It melted my heart. It reached me. So I said, okay, I was going to run away because I'm out of Montana. It can't get me now. You know, I'm, I was about to run away and I had, all, I had it all lined up. I called my high school friends from Minnesota. I knew people here in Minneapolis and I was gone. But when I saw the eyes, I said, I'm going to give this place a chance. I said, I'll give it two weeks. Otherwise, I'll run away. I'll jump out a window or something. And I came, I came in, I started manifesting. They'd have staff members waiting at the, at the room. You get a separate room for people that are detoxing off of heroin and crack and meth. And I was a meth head. And where really it was just all the drugs I get my hands on. I mean, I was angel dust. I mean, just PCP, LSD, everything. I mean, I was crazy. And so, but they'd have staff member waiting at the doors because as soon as I'd fall asleep, demons would take over my body and they'd have to hold me down every night. It was like that for three months. Three months, right? They had to have full-time people watching me. It's crazy. I couldn't have any other roommates for a while, and they, I was just, they must have blown thousands and tens of thousands of dollars on me just to make sure I was safe, and it was cool. It worked out. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I got all cleaned out. Three months of that constant deliver, deliverance every single day coming out of the occult coming out of severe addiction, and then uh, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, laying in my bed. This was January of the year 2000, just the fresh millennium reign of Christ, and I felt these waves of peace. My only exposure to Christianity prior to this was Catholicism, so I'd never heard of any gift of the Spirit. And all of a sudden, these liquid waves of peace start going through my legs and out my torso and out my face. And I started, I never heard of tongues, but it felt so good. It felt like ecstasy. It felt blissful. And it, but it felt like liquid peace, like waves of peace. And I got sovereignly baptized in the Holy Spirit, started speaking in tongues. Got so excited, my faith elevated ten times what it was before. I ran to the staff member who the previous year had sold $3.4 million in crack cocaine in Southside Chicago. He had just become a staff member. He graduated the program, Pastor Tribble. I called him Brother Tribble back then, James Tribble. And I said, what is this, James? He said, that's the gift of tongues. He says, if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And we're laughing together. I said, James, I feel like a little baby. I felt like a little infant. I felt like a little baby, and I felt clean for the first time after the bath. I felt like I was floating, and I felt like I was hovering over the earth for like a month until I started learning some religion, and I kind of came back down by religion's gravity. And there was a lot of religion, no doubt about it, but there was a lot of glory. For seven days, one of the first books they gave me when I was in there, because I'm hungry at that point, you know, I mean, you can throw anything at a person like that and they'll eat it up because they're so hungry, they come out of so much hell. They gave me Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. It was one of the first books I ever read, and it was jo Joyce Meyer's Battlefield of the Mind. It's like my two first Christian books. And Catherine Kuhlman's The Lord's Prayer. Those, those were the first three. But Good Morning Holy Spirit really rocked my world because I read it out loud. 
And as I read that book out loud in the year 2000, a physical manifest glory cloud materialized in my room for seven, dra- for seven days. A physical manifest glory. You could barely see. Now, it's only 14 feet to the other side of the room. You could barely see the wall on the other side of the room. It was that thick, the physical cloud. Staff would come into our room and fall on their face in the glory. And my, me and my roommate, Lenny Burke, we're still friends. Lenny's on the other side. We'd just be laid out. We didn't have terms for drunken glory back then. We just couldn't sit up. We couldn't, we couldn't lift our heads up. We're plastered to, the, to our beds in the glory cloud reading Benny Hinn's Good Morning Holy Spirit. Just a couple desperate drug addicts. And it was awesome. We got through it. I got discipled pretty well. And then they gave me a scholarship to go to Bible college at uh, North Central University for pastoral studies in Bible. Graduated in 2006. I was planning on being a youth pastor in the Assemblies of God. And I, I was talking with all kinds of churches and stuff, and I'm on fire, and, and I wasn't that controversial back then. I, I wasn't toking the ghosts. I wasn't drinking the Godka, none of that. And I mean, I was like poster child for the extreme sect of the Assemblies of God, really. I mean, so it was, there, I had pastors recruiting me. They're talking to me about becoming a youth pastor. I'm like, man, you know, where do I want to live? I'll be a youth pastor in Maui or something, you know? And God, God speaks to me in my car. As I'm leaving, my senior year of college, I'm praying in tongues eight hours a day. I'm on fire. I'd started a men's group already called Band of Brothers. We'd started a, mini- we'd started a ministry right after this because I hear the audible voice of God in my car in, in my Mazda 929, almost done with my senior year of college. And he says, you're not going to pastor churches. The audible voice of God. You're not going to pastor churches. He said, you'll never pastor churches. You'll pastor cities and nations. So he said, you'll pastor cities and you'll pastor nations and call your ministry the Red Letter Ministry. That's where we got the name, from the audible voice of God in my car in 2006. Call your ministry the Red Letter Ministry and I will bless this ministry because it'll be my ministry. It'll be my, that's what he said, it'll be my, Jesus Christ told me audibly, it'll be his ministry. That's why we don't care about anything. That's why people attack us relentlessly because you're attacking God. You're never going to win. None of the, not a single detail in my life the last 13 years is my idea. Not my wife, not my ministry, not my crack house in the ghetto, not this broadcasting, not a single thing. So what are you going to do kicking against the pricks? What are you going to do attacking God? I mean, it's futile, but the religious spirits are so desperate, they'll still do it. And you know what? And then they'll get blasted out of the person that didn't know better. They will, because people don't know God that intimately to discern correctly, to discern spiritually. People see and meet the glory of God and and Jezebel in them, the religious spirit working in their brain, tells them that's the devil. We've seen it tens of thousands of times. How the demons react in the unrenewed mind to the glory of God is always blasphemy. Always blasphemy. I've never seen a religious spirit not blaspheme. That's the nature of the religious spirit. And the Bible says there are 200 million religious spirits trying to deceive your minds to blaspheme the glory of God. And it's forgivable because it's the blaspheme of the Father. When you're ignorant, when you attack the glory, there's no consequences. In fact, the glory, like Saul of Tarsus, will usually just get you saved. And just love on you because you're so clueless. I mean, it's literally like chimpanzees flinging dung at, at royalty. 
It's literally chimpanzees flinging poop at royalty. That's what it looks like in the spirit. And they don't know any better. Because if you have a carnal mind, you're limited to the flesh. And almost all Christianity you've ever known has been in the flesh. And the stuff you think is real spiritual, most of that is Jezebel. Second heaven's mysticism, false mysticism. It's not third heaven. Because if it's third heaven, it's perfect love. And there'd be awesome fruit. There'd be radioactive, seven torches blazing. And we're always in unity in Eden. But if you're not in Eden internally, you're not even in the kingdom. Have no fellowship with the persons of darkness, Scripture says. And expel the wicked person from amongst you, 1 Corinthians says. Amen! Those fake pretenders who come with a soulish counterfeit of witchcraft Christianity that infiltrate your ranks and are blemishes and stains on your love feasts. They're everywhere! False brethren. Amen. You have to deal with them sternly because they think they're right in their own brains and they're spiritually full of Satan. There are like millions of people who think they're serving God but are serving Satan. And they are, I mean, they would die for Satan. you got to understand, this isn't mild deception like we're playing around. These people have a full commitment to the religious devil. You've met people like that. In the charismatic church, well, listen, the charismatic churches don't think they're exempt of Phariseeism. The Pharisees were more like charismatics than Southern Baptists. They love signs and wonders. Charismatic Christians are usually the worst because they're open to the gifts, but there's still very little renewal of the mind. And we're not attacking anything except Satan, and people don't understand that. They think they're, we're attacking people. No, we're saving people by destroying the works of the devil. Why did the Son of God appear? To destroy the works of the devil. Why does the manifesting sons of God appear now? To destroy the works of the devil. And when you're deceived, you can't see the devil, because that's what deception is. Darkness on the land, deep darkness on the people. They can't see what's deceiving them. Otherwise, they wouldn't be deceived and they'd be, they'd be living in the glory of God. Their cup would be overflowing with the richest measure of the divine presence. They'd be bodies wholly filled and flooded with God Himself. They'd be operating in full spiritual stature. But as it is, they barely know Him. How do you know Christ on an intimate level where you can discern correctly from the glory of God and the white magic of Jezebel's witchcraft that deceives America, the principality of the USA? How do you discern the difference between white magic of the magic arts of Jezebel and all false charismatic Christianity and the glory of God? You can only do it by sacrificing your own brain and living in the Spirit. Because a human being is incapable of discerning correctly. A human being is incapable of telling the truth. For no prophecy originated with man. It comes out of the Spirit. You can't tell one true word from the brain and soul realm. It's not possible. That's what Scripture teaches. The carnal mind is a liar that fights the spiritual mind of Christ. Amen? The mind of Christ rises in your spirit, your belly, you get dilated, and you birth the breaking mighty waters. Amen? It's time to birth the Son of God. It's time to birth the mind of Christ and let it fully consume your carnal mind. How much of your soul have you given to Jesus? You'll be tested every day. That's how close you'll be to Jesus for eternity. We want to see champions. I want to see millions of sons of God that go all the way by revelation light 
Hearing the prophetic word causes an illumination in your spirit and your heart says yes to God and the waters rise and consume more of your soul. The issue is most people say no to God constantly. It's so rare to find people that are like, yes, 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 deeper, 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 faster, more, more, I'll sacrifice everything. I mean, it's one in a million. Even amongst people that love the glory, it's one in a thousand. Seriously. Because you find a place in God where you, where you become complacent, where you stop growing, and you're like, well, I'm good with this measure of inheritance. And most of it's barely even anything that God has for your life. Like you've arrived at anything. Like you've arrived at anything if you have a good job and a nice family. That ain't it. You need to have the fullness of the Garden of Eden manifested and your kids living in the glory realm more like the cherubim than chimpanzees. Amen. Children need to be raised like cherubim angels. You need to be spiritual. You need to be more familiar with the angels than the animals. Amen. And they're both wonderful. We're having all kinds of fun with the creation today and watering creation with the glory of God. Nature signs always accompany those who believe. I love nature signs because this is a restoration to the Garden of Eden on earth. It's a restoration of all things, and the things are the natural realm. Amen. The restoration of all things. Acts 3.21. Acts 3.21. The Lord Jesus Christ remains in heaven until the restoration of all things. It is written. What is the restoration of all things? It's having your natural man catch up with your spiritual man. Hello? It's having your brain catch up with your spirit. It's called the renewing of the mind. The restoration of all things is simply your soul completely and totally controlled by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit through your inner man, through your spirit man. And your spirit man is so energized with the Word that your brain is completely whacked on the glory dimension and finds no satisfaction on the natural dimension. That doesn't mean you don't enjoy food because everything, your, your taste buds will be glorified and the food will taste ten times better than it ever did before when you're not in the glory. It means you can actually live in the glory dimension and rule over the earth and only the greatest things of the earth could even bring you joy anymore because you're so pleasured on the third heaven. That's how Jesus lived. That's normal Christianity. The overcomers will be so third heaven minded and live in such a third heaven state of ecstasy and rapture all the time in the angelic sphere over the earth by the perfect purification of their inner man to live in virgin-like holiness all the time that their natural man will just be like, yeah, maybe, to enjoy it. But that will not be a priority. If the natural is a priority, that's idolatry. You'll find idolatry flaring up on you and manifesting on you every day if you decide to go deeper in the glory. The whole kingdom of Satan is built within idolatry, shrines. Amen? Buildings made by human hands. Human systems of the natural dimension of what human flesh and blood has built for self. For self-sustainment, self-promotion, self-protection. It's all about the soul for those that serve Satan. And it's all about the spirit for those who serve Christ. Amen? And those who serve Christ will get so strong that they wash the souls of all who serve Satan. That's called the Great Awakening. Because you have hundreds of millions of people that would go with you into the glory. Because it's just like, whoa, God is awesome. Satan's horrible. Nobody wants to feel bad 
Nobody wants to feel death and icky and gross and nasty and dead inside. No one wants to be depressed. Everybody wants the joy of the Lord. They just don't understand. They're completely deceived by demons. So when people start walking in that kind of great, tremendous joy of the Lord, power and anointing and ecstasy and demonstrating and manifesting the Garden of Eden with all of its sauce and giving everyone drinks, not putting works on their heads, but giving them drinks, and everyone's getting drunk on the glory, and everyone's getting drunk on prosperity, everyone's getting drunk on the finished works of the cross, everyone's getting blasted and blessed, everyone's getting healed, all sadness and sorrow is fleeing away from a people demonstrating promised land, real Christianity, practicing the presence in such a presence of perfect, pickled love, <laughs> and where there's nothing in their soul where they're wanting. The only problem you have at that level is you'll get lovesick. It's true. You'll literally feel like your heart's aching. If I don't get a hit of the Lord Jesus' love right now, you feel like you're dying. I get lovesick. And the only thing that quenches that love is me hitting Song of Solomon like a bong and taking a bong rip of Song of Songs and getting completely whacked on divine love. I've, I've tried everything. I can't, I can't read Ecclesiastes or Isaiah. It's not a strong enough hit. When you get into certain levels of the glory, you fiend for love like a crackhead fiends for crack or alcoholic fiends for alcohol or a porn addict fiends for porn. You fiend for the glory of God in the love dimension and that's what you're created to be addicted to. That's the holy addiction of the gospel. That you're created to be completely strung out on the glory of God and fiending a stronger hit of divine love. And He'll always give you drinks. What does the Bible say? The thirsty will be satisfied. The hungry will be satisfied. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. If you ask, you shall receive. Amen. If you knock, the door will open. What's the door? The door of your heart. He'll rip it wide open and He'll fill it with Himself. And what is God? God is agape. God is agape love. What is agape love? The glory. Agape is glory. It's the strongest glory. There's a lot of different glory realms. I mean, there are many dimensions of paradise, many dimensions of the kingdom. Mount Zion has many rooms in it. But the highest rooms of Mount Zion are all about divine love. The love realm is the highest realm of all glory realms of people who have been going from glory to glory. It's a total religion-free zone. I mean, these, these people are like love gluttons. God said to me today, look out, the love gluttons are coming. Look out. You haven't seen people fiend for love like this before. This is a love revolution, and there won't be a drop of phileo mixture in the whole mix. It won't. The agape of God, the cup of the new covenant, the blood of the Lamb, is the agape love of God. And it intoxicates. It is a supreme intoxication. Amen. Psalms 23 verse 5 in the Septuagint says, And your cup was supremely intoxicating. The cup of the Lord is supremely intoxicating. And once you get addicted to it, that kind of agape, that kind of love, you'll scorn anything else. You won't mess around with sin. You won't want to. You're just way too high for that kind of activity. It'll come around, you know. People will go crazy around you. People get intoxicated on you. But it'll have no influence on you. Because you've been there, done that, and it's just there's no pleasure in it anymore. Sin has pleasure for a season, and then you grew up, 
cast off the grave clothes and be like, I am so done feeling icky or having any mixture. You know, we've been saved for a long time, but then there's the time of purification. And during the time of purification, he deals with all the fears of letting go of self. Can I trust this unknown God in a deeper level of commitment, in the sacrifice of myself, in the sacrifice of my heart and soul? Can I give Him my mind, will, and emotions? Can I trust Him to protect me? Everything I've done for self-sustainment, can I give the Holy Spirit the reins of my life? And that's the time of the wilderness of the bride, the desert place, where it's a time of trusting and learning how to trust and fall in love with the King. And King Jesus is almighty power. The issue is trusting him to join him in his marriage carriage and lift you up into the Garden of Eden. That's where we're going. This final exodus for humanity is everyone that wants to join God by divine love, by receiving the cup of the new covenant, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the glory of God, the healing of the nations. There will be so many millions that rise because this is everything you've been looking for. We just haven't had a perfect ministry of the Garden of Eden. That's what the sons of God bring. Perfect ministries of the Garden of Eden. Amen. It's a perfect realm of drinking bliss with no sorrows added unto it. It's a perfect realm of healing and prosperity. The only issue is can you trust Him by giving Him more of your heart? Most Christians do not have a hundredfold level of commitment to Christ. They have foxes in the vineyard spoiling the wine grapes. They grow inside the heart. They're the holes in your new wine skins. That's where you have leaks and it's not shooting all the way up into your soul and that's why you're not walking in the fullness of God's power. There's stuff siphoning you so that you're not running on hundredfold level anointing. God has given all of you a hundred percent anointing into your spirit. The issue is getting fully zipped up in your heart with no leaks of sexual morality, no leaks of lust, no leaks of perversion, and no leaks of idolatry, which is greed and covetousness. Amen. And then learning to trust Him and be fulfilled in Him, and it is a process. It's a process in Song of Songs. It's a process in Moses' Exodus. It's a process for every single person discipled by the Apostle Paul and all of his books in the New Testament. Jesus dealt with it with His apostles and the red letters and the Gospels. It's called spiritual growth and growing up. When you're younger in the Lord, you do whatever you want, usually out of the good ideas in your head. And it's like strange fire mania. Strange fire all directions. And then you burn out. And then you either go back into the world or you go deeper into the glory. Hopefully you make the decision, and that's why we have this ministry, to go deeper into the glory. Because you will burn out in strange fire. You will be disappointed There's nothing there. All the works of the soul are vanity, vanity, chasing after the wind. There's nothing there. All the works of man are vanity. But the works of the Holy Spirit that rise in your heart are wonderful. They're refreshing. It's a river of works. And God does the works. The river does all the works. You can't burn out if the river's in the works. But you just be shocked because the river doesn't want to stress you out. The river doesn't want to put too much pressure on you that you can't handle. No, no, no. The river wants you to do the dead man's float and just be carried. Peter, in book, the Gospel of John, Jesus Christ says to Peter, Peter, when you were young, you did whatever you wanted. But when you're older, someone stronger than you will bind you and take you places you don't want to go. It's called maturity. 
I am a bond servant in chains to Christ. When I was younger in the Lord, I got away with all kinds of stupid stuff, going to the club, dr drinking a Heineken, maybe have some Copenhagen or whatever. When you matured and grew up in the Lord, it's like I'm done with all the childish ways. I want to know Him face to face. I want my conscience completely cleansed and burnt with the glory of God. I want my conscience like a veil that's been incinerated by holy fire. I want to know the fullest of God the Father and His glory pouring out of my belly like rivers of fire. And if there's anything in my conscience that shuts down the flow of the fire of God from coming through my whole soul, I will sacrifice it in a second. You come to that place where there's no blockages, nothing stealing your confidence. Amen. The veil is burned up. What is the veil? It's the conscience. Old Testament symbolized the veil and the temple. You know, it's all symbolic of the body being the temple. Now the veil that's torn so that you can walk in the fullness of the glory and the fire of God is the conscience right here, right in your mental ray, right behind your eyes, right through your conscience. And this is the place where the fire of God burns up the conscience so that your conscience knows the Father in the fullness of His brightness in your own spirit. Amen. It's called the morning star rising in your heart. 2 Peter 1.19 until the morning star rises in your heart. How does your day dawn? Peter, how do, how do I get my day to dawn? Your day dawns when your conscience is completely burnt, crispy, glorified in the brain, white stone, new name on it. All of it can flow right through the soul so that out of your forehead is the gate and the ancient gate of God. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Lift up your heads, O you gates, so the king of glory can come. No, he came in 2,000 years ago. Now he's coming out. He's coming out of humanity. He's not coming into humanity. He's coming out. I mean, we could say, come Holy Spirit for the next 10,000 years, but the Holy Spirit came 2,000 years ago. Now it's time for the Holy Spirit to come out. Amen. Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy of Holies is in your belly. The issue is, is your mind hasn't realized the glory of Colossians 1.27 of where Christ even is. Not out in space. He's not flying around Neptune. You know, he's not flying around hail bop on a comet or something. He's in you. Christ is in you. The third heaven's in your belly. If you get into Jesus in the second heavens, that's why Jezebel's got the whole church bewitched. They're serving an external Jesus. Colossians chapter 2. Externalism is witchcraft. Christianity is about practicing Christ already in you. Luke 17, 21. Where is the kingdom of heaven? In you. Men of Galilee, why do you stand here staring up into the clouds? This same Jesus will come through you before He comes to you. Amen. Out of your belly flowing rivers. What are these rivers? Revelation 22.1. It's the river of the Father's power of the Holy Ghost. He's given you all the same power that makes God God. Why don't you, why don't you experience it? Because there's lakes in your heart. Foxes in the vineyard. That's it. Every single person deals with familiar spirits every day. And the only way you don't f deal with familiar spirits, lust and pride, that's all Satan's got. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of the That's all there is in the world. That's it. It's that simple. The issue is the 200 million f demons out there and the couple familiar spirits from your ancestor lines and the tendencies you have towards alcohol, porn, lust, or idolatry and covetousness and all the greed and all the golden image, all the weaknesses that Christians have. That is you overcoming the world. You clean up those couple areas where you're getting robbed by foxes and the fullness of the power of God will shine out your soul like a beacon of light, like a lighthouse. Amen? Like the eye of Sauron's temple, but in the glory. Like the corona of the third heaven and the eye of God, the all-seeing seven eyes of God. 
The omniscient one will beam through your whole brain out of your heart. That's what it means to be crucified with Christ. Having the seven spirits of God burning through your whole heart with no leaks, fully zipped up, and burning through your whole brain. Seven horns. Revelation 5, 6, I saw a lamb looking as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God. Amen. Sent out into all the earth. Meaning, anyone that dies with Christ lives in his resurrection power. Now, after you've died with Christ, you've received him as your Lord and Savior, Jesus, come into my heart. Now what? Now it's sanctification time. Getting cleaned up from all your immorality and perversion and greed and covetousness, all that idolatry, all that immorality, getting burnt out of your heart, falling in love with Jesus and learning how to stay in the marriage carriage and stop committing spiritual adultery with sins. Amen. People come in and out of the kingdom. People come in and out of the anointing. People come in and out of the body of Christ. When anytime you sin, you come out of the body and you repent, you go back into the body. The body of Christ is the body of the fullness of the anointing of the anointed one. Anytime your soul leads you astray by external temptations, you come out of the body. Now you come right back in. You come back into the anointing. You get washed. Washed in the water of the word. And you learn to stay in the body. You get fortified in the body. And then you rise in the body into the headship of the apostles and prophets. And the body gets so strong because people get so sanctified, so zipped up, and release so much of the Father's power, get so pleasured on the Garden of Eden that no temptation will seize them. Nothing could ever seize a person who's pickled and sealed with God the Father, God the Son, and the New Jerusalem written on their forehead. They have the full revelation of Jesus Christ. The full unveiling of the Messiah. All 22 chapters of the book of Revelation written on their DNA, written on their heart, and completely burning through their whole mind, will, and emotions. And that's their constant experience, living as temples of Christ, the Anointed One, the temples of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of the New Covenant, manifesting a promised land of bliss that everyone can receive by receiving your words. Amen? So it's a time of love growing us up in spiritual maturity. It's a time of purifying our hearts from all unrighteousness. And if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us and purify us head to toes from all demonic influence so that the only influence in our soul is God the Father, which means we'll live in perfect heavenly reality on earth as it is in heaven, 24-7, 365. So catch me the little foxes that spoil the vineyard. All the secret sin, especially the most deceiving religion. And the love of God reveals religion. Because if it's not love-based, it's work-based. Two trees in the garden. Satan wants to turn you into slaves. God wants to turn you into lovers. Stay lovers. Repent from all dead works, all acts that lead to death, all religious activity, all strange fire, and learn how to drink love. And your cup will overflow with the works of love. You'll never burn out. It'll be an ever-increasing glory. And you'll be a full demonstration of who God is. And every time people listen to you, they'll get saved. They'll get built up in grace. They'll get glorified. Signs and wonders will accompany you. It'll get easy. And you just flow in the power of God, living in your inheritance. Amen? Acts 20.32. Let's finish with that. Thank you, Jesus. Glory. In the Amplified Classic. And now, brethren, I commit you to God. I deposit you in His charge, entrusting you to His protection and care. 
and I commend you to the word of His grace, to the commands and counsels and promises of His unmerited favor. It is able to build you up and to give you your rightful inheritance amongst all God's set-apart ones, those consecrated, purified, and transformed of soul. We commit you unto God in the word of His grace, which is able to build up your heart and sanctify your soul and set apart for you the inheritance of the glory of the Garden of Eden. Amen. We love you guys. We bless. Partner with Red Letter Ministries. Sow a seed at redlettermin.com, and we'll see you guys tomorrow. Amen.